We acknowledge and pay respect to the land and the traditional families of the Yugambeh region of southeast Queensland and to their elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to remind listeners that we are recording on stolen land and sovereignty has never been ceded. Welcome to Revolting Women. This is an independent podcast brought to you by four independent women. It's time to rethink, rebel and revolt. So, what do you think about the patriarchy? Do you want to destroy it? Back to Revolting Women. I know yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Again. We started this new season promising more episodes, but things change. We're yeah. just vibing, doing our doing our own things. Yeah, well, a lot has happened again. Our, our good member, Zio, has just moved to the Northern Territory, to Aronte country, mm-hmm. in Alice Springs, uh, doing... Doing youth work. Doing youth work, yep. And Jazzy is in... Brisbane, still. Um, we're still a foursome. <laughs> just long distance yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> just um, and me, Saskia, is about to move down to Melbourne soon. So we're trying to figure out how we can do this all long distance. And at the moment, we're actually not recording in a studio, so might not be five star quality, <laughs> best producing. <laughs> but um, we've got a pretty good mic. Um, but yeah, so. We're going to try and figure out doing this. Yeah, remotely. Hopefully we'll be able to come to you guys with more episodes. But, you know, we love our audience and we know you guys oh. know that we're not consistent. So it's what you love about us. Yeah, we're <laughs> Always keep you on your toes. Thought <laughs> <laughs> we were gone. <laughs> we're back with another episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. We have a very specific topic that we're doing today. By the way, it's just Ruby and Saskia here, if you hadn't picked up (laughs) on already. Yeah, today we're going to be um, talking about a lot of stuff that's happening in Iran right now. If you haven't already seen videos of the protests and things that are happening now after the death of Masa Amini. And she actually has another name, a Kurdish name, Zina. So a lot of people are also referring to her as Zina in videos and in the press and stuff like that. But of protests have started recently because she was arrested by what people are sort of referring to as morality police but my family and Iranians that I know have sort of called them the fashion police because (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit of like a satirical term people like to call them because that's sort of what they're all about is making Mm. people's beard making sure people's beards are long enough making sure people are wearing the correct hijab and Masa was actually arrested for an improper wear of the hijab in Tehran, I believe. And she was detained and was apparently given a, um, what do they call it? A modesty lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, she came out of the modesty lesson in a coma and she was really badly beaten. And shortly after that, she actually died. Um, and the morality police or the Islamic Republic are claiming that she had a heart attack, even though she didn't have any pre-existing health conditions. Mm, she was 22 as well. Yeah, she was 22 years old, so super young and obviously extremely tragic. And this isn't the first time this has happened, um, where an Iranian woman has died at the hands of 
the Islamic Republic and it most likely won't be the last because of this reason. And yeah, we're just going to be talking a little bit about that today and also talking a little bit about Islam as a more general concept. And yeah, it's going to be pretty um, mm. free flowing. We're yeah. not, we, we haven't really planned much, but we're just going to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, well, this is a conversation Ruby and I um, generally have quite often. We'll talk a lot about these types of issues that come up. And um, so I thought it'd be nice for us to have a um, more free-flowing conversation about what's happening and you guys can just listen to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we would love to have some feedback and things like that about this episode and I kind of just wanted to start by saying um that I Ruby I'm talking right <laughs> um, I'm half Persian and half white and that I was born here in Australia and I grew up here my whole life my dad was born in Iran in the south of Iran in a place called Abadan and it's more the southern side borders the Iraqi border um, and I've traveled there a handful of times but I've never actually stayed there longer than a month but fun fact I actually plan to move there next year so Yay. hopefully by this time next year I will be living in Iran and living with my family and stuff like that so teaching English we'll see what happens <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for um, you. yeah but I want to say this because my thoughts and you know my opinions about Iran and the things that have happened in the past and the things that are happening now are just that they're my thoughts and my opinions and there are like a lot of people who wouldn't agree with me and have different perceptions than me because they have lived in Iran or they've grown up grown up in Iran or they have different family connections or different reasons for why their family have left Iran and I just want to emphasize that there are you know tens of millions of Iranian people across the globe some who live in Iran, some who don't anymore, and some like me who have never lived in Iran. And all of us have different thoughts and feelings about the current state of Iran and the things that have happened in the past, and none of us feel the exact same as one another. And I really just want to emphasize that because there are so many experiences, perspectives, and stories that are far more valuable than my own. And I encourage everyone to seek them out. I'll share some of my favorites in the show notes <laughs> and on our Instagram. You can find some more really good accounts and people that talk about the stuff that happens there. Some of them include people like Middle East Matters, BBC Persian, The Wellness Therapist, Chai and Conversation, just to name a few. So yeah, we'll chuck those there. Yeah, I think it's important um, to recognize even I have a lot of um, backgrounds through my studies in Islamic studies and even Muslim people Middle Eastern people, Iranian people are not a monolith and yeah. it is all contextual and it's all based on people's <clears> own <throat> lived experiences and the way they view the world and so I think that's a really important mm. thing to state that we only know through what we know. Yeah, and exactly. And I think that what's something we want to talk about as well in this episode is perceptions around the Middle East and generalizing and considering the Middle East as a monolith when it is made up of so many different countries, so many different cultures that are so rich and diverse. And Iran is just one of the many countries in the Middle East that has experienced issues under Islam and under Islamic rule. And it's obviously kind of a tricky thing to talk about because in the West there is a lot of as there is a lot of Islamophobia and a lot of hatred toward the mm -hmm. Middle East. And I want to sort of clarify that the things I'm speaking about are from my perspective of actually being Iranian mm. or being Middle Eastern or Arab and it's the perceptions are a lot different than I think what Westerns would think or what it's actually yeah. like there and you know it is such a beautiful part of the world and it's really sad I think to see 
the destruction and how it's changed and the things that are happening now because it was so beautiful and it is still really beautiful and it is travelable. Like people don't really think that you can actually go there and like that people actually do live pretty fulfilled lives and like are happy there Mm. in certain contexts and stuff and the critiques that Westerners of it on it like most of the time have of Islam, those problems do exist in the Western societies as well and in Christianity. Definitely. So, you know, it's just kind of interesting when people are hypercritical of of Arab countries when we have the same problems here and like just in different contexts and to different degrees as well, I guess. Yeah, because if you do look at who's marginalised in society and how they're treated, for example, First Nations people Mm. in Australia right now or any minority of colour and the way they get brutalised by the police and killed Mm. in custody. And we might not think that our police as, like, even for me, because obviously you're not white, but me as a white person, I think even my, um, I've seen from other white perspectives is that the police are here to protect people. Mm. Yeah, that is because that's your experience of the police. But of course, there's so many different minorities that in Australia that disagree with that Mm -hmm. and you see that flaw within our own institution institution as a country and I think that it is um, applicable to context within places like Iran and Mm. when when we don't see that we only see all the negatives we don't see how it's a beautiful place to travel or how there's um, all of these people that are happily living there people that don't want to leave Iran like people have this assumption that everyone wants to leave the Middle East and come to the West and it's just not true like Mm -hmm. I have family that choose to stay in Iran when they could easily come to Australia or to America or to England and they don't want to they want to stay in Iran because it's their country it's their home and it's worth fighting for for them it's not something that they're willing to just abandon or give up without a fight and yeah I think that I also just wanted to clarify some things that I find people also get often confused about um most people well the first thing I kind of want to clarify is that most people use the term Persian and Iranian interchangeably um most of the time Persian more specifically relates to ethnicity and Iranian is a claim to nationality so that's kind of the difference between the two terms but this is kind of important when talking about the the diaspora between or diaspora because a lot of Persians have been affected by it and forced to leave Iran or unable to return and the language largely spoken in Persia is Farsi or Persian however languages like Dari, Azerbaijani and Kurdish are also spoken as well in Iran and Arabic is only actually really spoken in the Kazakhstan province, province, which is actually where my family comes from. Um, so a few of my family members speak Arabic, but it's actually not commonly spoken in Iran, which I think gets mm. sometimes confused with people. Um, but Arabic is a completely different language to Farsi, and Farsi is the predominantly spoken language in Iran. And Generally, Persia today refers to Iran because the country formed over the center of the ancient Persian Empire and the majority of its original citizens inhabited that land. And then on the other hand, modern Iran is compromised of a large number of different ethnic and tribal groups. People who identify as Persian account for the majority, but there are also a large number of Kurdish people and other ethnic groups too who live in Iran. While all citizens of Iran are Iranians, only some can identify their lineage in Persia like me. So it's interesting to see how it actually is combined of a lot of different nationalities. And obviously that goes back to histories and stuff with the Persian Empire, which actually isn't really talked about much in like history in school, yeah. I've found. like It was Definitely. never really brought up, but the Persian Empire is like 
huge, huge, yeah, huge definitely. crazy part of history that people don't really know too much about. So if you ever want to learn or if you're interested in ancient history, yeah. <laughs> look up the Persian Empire and yeah. you'll find a lot about it because it was fucking amazing and people would be surprised to find out how much Western influence actually originates from Persia and even things mm. such as um, war tactics and battle strategies yeah. all came from Persia and the Persian Empire and those tactics and war strategies are coincidentally used today against Persians, yeah. <laughs> against Iran. Um, and that's why I guess the US hasn't had too much success with Iran because they're trying to use their own strategies against the people who created them. So yeah. We were speaking about this the other day about how um, in the Middle East, they have not been colonized by yeah. European imperialism. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And how they haven't been colonized because of that reason. There's probably obviously yeah. multiple reasons for that, but if you look at they've the, tried. Yeah, <laughs> the wars that have happened, and, and so they've just bombed the shit out of them yeah. in the past couple of years and made up these horrible, horrible um, narratives. For sure. And I think that that was where a bit of Western kind of feminism has like come into place with the narratives of allowing that stuff to happen mm. is because it's we need to save these women yeah. as if they have no autonomy to mm -hmm. save themselves and using that trope of we need to save Arab women from Arab men because yeah. they're fucked rather than looking in their own backyards and mm -hmm. also because of the fact that there's something they want and they can't yeah, get it for sure and it's good for people who aren't sort of aware that the Middle East and Iran specifically is incredibly oil rich and you'll find that countries that sort of collude with the west like saudi arabia and places like that and you know places that w are willing to collude with western um, imperialism and with states like israel and things like that mm -hmm. that they're the ones that are sort of prospering where iran just refuses to conform to the west i suppose but um that's sort of a whole other section yeah. of you know it's discussion itself <laughs> yeah it's, it's really complicated and even topic. myself i know that i'm not anywhere near as informed as other people are about it and a lot of my knowledge well, a lot of my thoughts about iran are very you know pro shah which i'll talk about in a little bit mm -hmm. and it's you know there are like i said earlier so many different perspectives and so many different experiences and everyone thinks differently about the histories that have happened and what has led us to this point with Iran. So, um, yeah, I just want to say that because like, I know that there yeah. are different opinions and different Definitely. thoughts and like everyone has their different reasons. And my, a lot of my family don't live in Iran anymore, but a lot of them still mm. do. So it's, it's, it's complicated. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's important for you to share your opinions and whatnot so that people can analyze them and understand them and whatnot and compare them to other people's opinions too, because at the end of the day, if you don't share them, then nobody knows and there's no you know, mm -hmm. way to kind of analyze these situations. <laughs> I think it's probably a good time to talk about the history of what happened to lead yeah, us to this point with Iran sure. and specifically like political and socio components and religious components that have led us to what is happening today with the protests happening right now. And it's pretty good to note um, to start that Iran is actually the world's only major theocracy and is run on Muslim Shia principles. What is a um, theocracy? Can you so explain that? a theocracy is basically a state or a governance that is run by religion. Okay, so gotcha. it's the binding principle, which is what is happening in Iran. Mm -hmm. It's obviously Islam and um, Shia principles. Yeah. And the current supreme leader's name is Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. And he is the current, I guess, figurehead of Iran. They also have like 
I think they call them presidents or prime ministers, but the Ayatollah, the religious figurehead, is the top honcho head guy. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, prior to 1979, which is a really key year in Iranian mm-hmm. history, um, Iran was actually a secular monarchy. So secular means that there are no religious influences in government, and the leaders during um, the secular, secular monarchy, um, the Shah of Iran, they were quite frankly really opposed to Islam and that was actually one of the reasons why the revolution happened. So in 1979, or prior to 1979 I should say, Iran was run by Mohammad Reza Shah Pahlavi or commonly known as the Shah of Iran and the Pahlavi family was the monarchy that existed in Iran um, I think between like 1905 Yeah, up until um, 79 when the revolution happened. And the revolution prompted the shift from the secular society that was run by the Shah to the theocracy that they are in today, which is run by um, the Ayatollah and by Islam. And looking more, I guess, at the Shah's Iran and what it was like um, prior to the revolution, the Shah's goal was to modernize Iran, basically, by enhancing education, transport, railways, developing oil reserves and removing the aristocratic elements of Persia's bureaucracy and military. And so that was the gain, um, or that was the goal for the Shah of Iran. And in regards to religion, the Shah saw Shiaism and Islam more generally as foreign concepts, actually, to Iran, and emphasized Persia's pre-Islamic history as a key part of Persian identity and wanted to have that separation from Islam to the Persian identity. Because like we were saying before, or actually like I'd like to mention now, not all Arabs, not all Persians are Muslim. Mm. And there are a lot of atheists and if not more now in Iran because of the current state being run by Islam. It's actually turned a lot of people away from Islam because they've seen the harm that it has done to Iran. And obviously Mm -hmm. this is super specific to Iran. Like I'm not obviously bagging Islam, even though, you know, I am an atheist. None of my Iranian family really is practicing Muslims. Um, And they were quite adamant supporters of the Shah. Um, But it's also good to mention as well that people who opposed the Shah and his law weren't treated well. And there was things like secret police and stuff like that. And there was um, a lot of harm, I guess, done by the Shah and the monarchy, which we can critique separately because Mm, we obviously oppose the monarchy and we want to burn it all to the fucking ground. So (laughs) I can see why the revolution did have some merit in it, but it's also good to know that when the Shah came into power, millions of peasant families in Iran became landlords overnight because the state bought back a lot of land from property owners and redistributed them to the people. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, really and a lot of literacy and health services were built in the countryside in and in rural areas of Iran. Secular education was mandated, so education that didn't um, surround Islam, secular education is obviously like I was saying, a secular government is not ruled by religion. Um, And women's rights were actually enshrined in the law um, by the Shah of Iran, though a lot of people would probably disagree that, you know, it was actually done. It was kind of more of a symbol. Like, I guess it happens in the West as well. Like, there are a lot of symbols of these sort of forward things. But another thing that the Shah did was he actually banned the hijab. And a lot of people would wear the hijab as a symbol to protest against the monarchy Mm -hmm. and against the Shah of Iran. So it's funny looking at it back then is that people were wearing the hijab as a form of protest. Protest, But now people are taking it off as a form of protest. So I think that's pretty cool to note as well. Um, But Basically, at the time, there was a man named the Ayatollah Khomeini, not to be confused with Khamenei, who was in power now. (laughs) Ayatollah Khomeini was the one who was sort of the, 
I guess, figurehead of the revolution who was, I guess, drawing people into it um, to oppose the Shah and to, you know, I guess the sort of general consensus or the opinions of most people at the time were the fact that, um, you know, Iran was moving towards a Western concept and a Western ideology and they were, you know, the Shah was supported by the US and I guess that was sort of the fear that was happening with a lot of Iranians was that um, it was losing its ties to Islam and so by the Shah Mm -hmm. being in rule so that's sort of where the protests came from and the Iranian revolution I guess the three major people or groups of people that were a part of it were economically oppressed youth so lots of young people democrats and then the Shia community so the Islamic community and Muslims um, they rallied around Khomeini and lots of protests happened and then eventually it was kind of similar to what's happening now I guess there was protests in the street a lot of the Shah's military was done martial law was actually declared by the Shah and protests against the monarchy were just erupting all over the place and so basically during this time this is where I get a bit fuzzy with the history (laughs) Um, I might link some videos that actually explain it really well how the how um the ayatollah actually came into power but basically iran was super unstable the shah was actually forced to leave iran he fled to egypt and then eventually to america and was never to return to iran um yeah and then russia got involved france got involved there's a lot of messy country you know things that happened but um basically the ayatollah khomeini became the leader of iran in february 1979 He was declared the supreme leader of Iran and new leaders were to get chosen by a group of elitist uh, Islamic clerics, which are known as mullahs. And that is still sort of the current um, situation that happens now in their democracy. So that's kind of how we came to be or how Iran came to become this theocracy where Islam and Mm -hmm. Shia law is ruling the country. Pretty much since then, it's been an absolute shit show. Yeah, <laughs> um, of Money f- has been removed from education, or not moved from education, but removed from industry to create these jobs and yeah. to create prosperous lives for Iranians. It's been funded into Islam or symbols of Islam mm-hmm. to mullahs and to mullahs' families who don't even live in Iran. And, you know, obviously there is a hijab mandate as well. It's quite a heavy police state and, you know, it's quite frankly hated by the rest of the world iran is quite commonly hated by a lot of countries there's a there's a video actually that i'll put on our instagram maybe we'll repost it so it's on the feed Mm. but there's this person who really explains what's happening in a more modern context as well in iran with what's happening with the protests now and a lot of protests have happened over the past few years and the last time that i was there which was in 2018 i'm pretty sure i was there in 2018 i think um and talking to iranians like there was government hatred there and there was that disdain for the iranian government or for the islamic republic has been there for a long time and people have been turning away from it for a while and it's sort of just been this inevitable thing that everyone has sort of been waiting to happen and i guess Mm. this um the death of the death of masa amini was the catalyst and just sort of the cherry on the top of the cake that sparked all of these protests to happen and it's honestly really fucking amazing and beautiful just seeing these videos like it makes me really emotional when i watch videos right now that are happening in iran of people protesting and it's men and Mm. women burning hijabs cutting their hair like this is fucking revolutionary radical shit like people 
die a lot in Iran or a lot of women have died because of not wearing the hijab or because of, you know, the fashion police or morality police or the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Like, it's all, you know, this has been happening for a really long time and to see people just being so free and, you know, really protesting for their freedom right now, it's just so fucking amazing. Like, and they're obviously, the government is, you know, fighting back now and there's been a lot of shootings and machine guns people being killed with machine guns in the fucking street and protests but it doesn't seem like anyone's backing down anytime soon and a lot of the internet has now been shut off as well because there's certain things that you already can't access in Iran so a lot of people use VPNs but even those are now being people unable to use their VPNs and unable to use WhatsApp or Instagram Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's really important that if you see videos or if you're seeing anything being shared, that you share it because people there aren't, are being like censored. And a lot of people are saying, we just want everyone to know what's happening. Like there's nothing you can do in regards to donating or whatever like that, but there you can share this and people sort of this when this happened in 2019 where that where there were all the protests and the internet was shut off it kind of just got forgotten about and i don't really want people to forget iran right now because this is like one of the biggest protests and one of the biggest changes and shifts that we've been able to Mm. see in a really long time and i think the support and the awareness of people knowing what's happening and backing the iranian people and supporting the iranian people and supporting iranians that you know are in your community because there's a lot of people that have been displaced or that have had to leave iran and we all still have that connection even as someone who's never lived there but is first generation australian from my dad like that connection is still there and that love and pride in being Iranian and being a part of that culture in the country is still there and it's really hard to not be able to do anything yeah. so when all you can do is really talk about it and share it with people like it, it just it amplifies the the cause and what needs to be known by people around the world mm-hmm. yeah definitely and I find it interesting how you explained all of that in the history to how it's come to here and it does emphasize the importance of I guess sharing now and to how there's been this build up and it's mm. slowly been building up and this is a revolution at the end of the day yeah. and it's important that the whole world supports this but I think the way in which we support and navigate this has to be from a place where we understand the issue completely mm. and find the right ways to help For because sure. I think that a lot of people um, don't understand how harmful other forms of help can be. Yeah, and allow allow the Iranian people to mm. be the determiners yeah, of what's happening. Because these sanctions that have been imposed by the mm. US on Iran for decades now, it doesn't help them. No, like it, 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 it does the exact opposite. And if there's anything we've been able to see from US imperialism is that mm. these interventions and these sanctions no, they don't just help. fuck everything up way more. There's no assistance and the US has their ulterior motives. They're not in it for the freedom of the Iranian people like they're in it for what they can gain from it and you know it's obviously like I said a lot of Iranians have different perspectives and some people do want US intervention and you know things like that there are a lot of different perspectives out there and I really encourage you to seek those out because it is complicated it's really complicated but I think that and people will have generalized views of this but I think if we've learned from anything through analyzing these lived histories even with what's happened with humanitarian intervention or military intervention in places like Iraq and stuff in the past is that it leads to more harm than Mm, it helps and even at the beginning of this year actually it was the end of last year when Afghanistan 
when they withdrew yeah Yeah. when they withdrew but basically after they withdrew the u.s put all of these sanctions on afghanistan including freezing all of their assets and since then afghanistan has been in the worst humanitarian crisis that they've ever seen with people literally starving to death Mm. because they have no access to any money anything and they can't be autonomous over their own decisions but this sanction of freezing people's assets that doesn't they did it obviously because they're like we don't want to the Taliban to have these things Mm. but it's not the Taliban that is affected by these decisions Mm. it's the people and the people are ultimately suffering because of that and it's not because they need our help they need us to advocate for them (laughs) yeah yeah they need us to fuck (laughs) off and also advocate for for them to be able to live their lives this is where all of this white savior complex comes mm. in into many things, especially mm. in the Middle East within white feminism. With we women need being to save so oppressed, women. we need we to need save, save these women, yeah. and they're so oppressed. Like, yeah. but the whole point of this is choice. Mm. The whole point of these protests is the choice to be able to wear what you want to wear, and that is the biggest misconception that people get, especially with even Muslims living here in Australia or in America, is the fact that they think that they're forced to wear these things, yeah. but it is a choice, and as you've just um taught me even then is that this protest that happened in iran decades ago was a form of protest yeah, of them wearing, wearing the hijab, hijab and yeah. a lot of muslims living in australia will wear their hijab just because out of choice i just wanted to go into a bit of the history of the hijab as well not a lot of people understand islam as a religion and i think it's important to state that the people who have influenced and have been a part of this islamic state that's taken over they are extremists and they are taking on extreme forms of the religion and islam in itself is a very complicated religion and over however many centuries since it's existed has come with lots of interpretations of the Quran and people follow it's called hadith mm. um, interpretations of of it and over no time, different to the bible by the yeah. way I might have just said <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's <laughs> literally different exactly, denominations yeah, of it's Christianity different, different, yeah it's pretty much exactly the same and you can look at some Christians are what extremely fucking homophobic because mm. of one thing that says men not touch boy or whatever (laughs) and that's an interpretation of the fucking bible Basically, there are only three <laughs> verses in the Quran that uh, pertain to how women should dress, but they don't actually specifically say women have to wear hijabs yeah, or whatnot. Yeah. It's based on how you, what you need to do. So you wear this based on your social class yeah. or based on your role. Like yeah. a woman who is like a slave, for example, can't wear a hijab or any form of clothes because how can she to get her tasks done? Mm. And so feminist. I guess interpreters of the Quran now actually advocate for the fact that Muhammad and Islam is actually quite feminist and because it says well women can actually choose what they want to wear yeah. but on the other hand of that these Islamic extremists have these very misogynistic interpretations of the Quran because if you think of how society has existed for so long it's very patriarchal yeah and so a lot of people these... seem to just forget patriarchy <laughs> yeah. when it comes to the Middle East exactly. and to Arab like where everyone's subjected to the patriarchy and we always talk about it throughout this podcast and mm. patriarchy is isn't immune to any circumstances and women are oppressed um, 
across the globe in different patriarchal societies for different reasons and things like religion in the same way that Christianity is used in a patriarchal sense Mm. to oppress women. It's the same thing. Like the, these men will take these things to, you know, use it to manipulate and to control women. Like it's no different to the things that happen in the West and in America, especially as well with what everyone's seeing at the moment with Roe v. Wade. These are Christian ideologies. And people just, and just in the same way as well that there are, extremists in Christianity like the Ku Klux Klan and like these Mm. you know Baptist churches that do all of these really horrible things and have all these really horrible beliefs like there are always going to be these extremist groups in you know religious sects and things like that because it's just how it is there are extremist people in the world and it's just something that I guess yeah white feminism they just love to think that it's all about saving these women and bringing them over to the West when it's like actually no the West needs to get the fuck out so that people can live their cultural practices and live their ideas identities and their cultures in the way that they see fit and the way that they choose and yeah I think that like with the hijab it is a choice and at the moment unfortunately in Iran it is not a choice yeah and it really hasn't been a choice for a long time even when the Shah was around like obviously it was banned so you know it's all about giving people that autonomy and those people the choice to do what they want and men are also affected by this and it's really amazing like to see how many men have actually banded or banded together with women to support them in this because the disdain and the hatred towards the mandating of the hijab is hated just as much by men as it is by Mm. women and they've seen how the Islamic State has destroyed their sisters and their mothers and their daughters and they want them to have this freedom. Men, Muslim men and Arab men and Iranian men, they don't want to see their women subjugated and they don't want to have their women oppressed and they don't want to live in an oppressed society where mm-hmm. people don't have that access and don't have those choices. And I just think that these misconceptions about Iran and obviously I can only really speak to Iran because that's where I have my knowledge and my cultural connection and my identity and everything like that but they all fucking hate it like they all hate it like it's not just like this group versus this group like the society as a general whole they don't want to be living like this anymore and it's been a long time coming even after the um just before i think it was a few months before 2020 before the beginning of 2020 or maybe Um, a couple months into 2020 I don't know but inflation costs or I think the government raised the costs of transport or fuel or something like that by 200% so everything in the production line was raised by 200% so everything um, where it was bread or meat or butter or fuel or everything was you know, increased drastically by inflation and everything like that. That stuff's happening here. Like it's yeah. all happening here as well. Like Definitely. when it, it's just like people love to think to other, they love yeah. to other Otherize. the Middle East and other eyes, mm. Iran, as if, you know, it's this foreign alien nation yeah. when that's not the case. Like it's Definitely. just not like so many, like it's a fucking beautiful country and it's a beautiful place with beautiful people. And I, wish people knew that and wish people could understand that more and appreciate it for the beauty that it actually holds alongside also understanding that there is a lot of struggle and Mm. there is 
a lot of yeah complexities to it yeah definitely even just like one other similarity which i came across was um in what i was talking about before with how these islamic extremists get their views from is from these male fucking scholarly elites that are yeah. the Quran. they a lot of the stuff that's happened in the past couple of centuries has been based on the need for science and mm. scientific evidence and we spoke about this in our first few episodes where the reason that women have been seen as inferior was because of our biological yeah. things that we're not strong enough and because of our reproductive things makes us emotional that makes us inferior it's the same thing that happened with these male scholarly elites mm. they classed women to be inferior based on those same scientific concepts and so those crossovers between these things have been very very similar and within our own cultural sphere and I think when we find more similarities rather than trying to pick out all of these differences it's going to help everyone a lot more because at the end of the day like it is the same struggle against patriarchy oppressing women like and And this is where fundamentalist thing this is where western feminism and white feminism fails Mm -hmm. Arab women and women of colour and women in the Middle East because they're trying to impose these, um, you know, impose this of you need to be free, you need to be free in this way instead of handing over that autonomy of being like, what do you want? What what do you actually want or what does... What do women in Iran need, or what do people mm. in Iran need, or what do people in Afghanistan need, yeah. or what you know? Like instead of thinking we know the best way to forward it, we mm. want our interpretations of feminism and how mm. we express feminism. We want them to have that too, when, yeah. when out, without actually realizing that there are the differences and the cultural differences and a whole other idea of what liberation is for different women. And that's where Western feminism and white feminism, I suppose, and liberal feminism and all these sort of things that we've actually talked about in other episodes where it fails the majority of women who aren't white or, you know, aren't the yeah upper Mm. class and things like that. And people need to become more aware of it and look at the flaws within our feminism that we have here in the West and, that try not to impose those beliefs and try to apply the same, you know, principles of mm. dealing with this oppression and dealing with these issues as they would for our societies and stuff like that, because it is a completely different culture and there are those points of difference um, as well, which is pretty good to acknowledge. And one example I saw of that as well is this Muslim woman, she posted on TikTok this comment and someone said to her, why aren't you taking your hijab off for solidarity? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good example of like white feminists, whether men or women, um, or men thinking they care about women's rights rights in the Middle East. Yeah, for sure. They said that, and it's just an excuse for them to be bigoted against someone else and to not respect them because one person who's made the choice to wear it and doesn't want to take it off and doesn't feel like that's their right way to protest or act in solidarity it's their choice to do that and they're taking that away and almost infiltrating their bigoted views onto them by saying that and it's just so obvious and i think a lot of people even even if it's not an obvious attempt to be bigoted i think it's important for people to take a step back and note if what you're saying and what you're thinking is helpful or harmful and i think most of the time it is harmful especially when it is being said in a negative tone towards someone of a minority i agree completely (laughs) 
So I think we're going to wrap it up by just, I guess, yeah, reinforcing the ideas of sort of what we talked about um, more broadly during the episode is just inform yourself, just look a little bit more, look a little bit deeper, challenge these things that you see on the news and a lot on the mainstream media because a lot of it is fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of stories that come out in Western media about the Middle East are bullshit. So seek out, you know, Middle Eastern resources seek out stories from people who are actually there, people who are from there, people who know about the countries and specifically Iran as well. Watch videos that are being shared by people mm-hmm. from Iran. Look at our media videos. like, you know, Al Jazeera and BBC who has their certain things like BBC Persian, like all of this stuff that comes out from Western media is most of the time a lot of bullshit and And this completely bigoted and fulfill, I guess, their agenda. Agenda, of- yeah making an enemy out yeah. of the Middle East, especially because they've had multiple wars over there and mm-hmm. they've needed to declare a war on terror mm-hmm. and, you know, and which has painted ultimately a lot of Muslims or Muslim-looking people yeah. as being terrorists, which is just completely unfair and they've been completely ostracised and, you know, hate hate mm-hmm. crimed and um, just being viewed so horribly in the past couple of decades since 9-11, even dating further back from mm-hmm. that as well anything to change your perception or question your perception or other people's perceptions when it jumps straight to Islamophobia or mm. um, even just like... Or just the demonization of the Middle yeah. East. Or this just, idea that it's yeah, backwards. Yeah. All of these things. For sure. And that it's this, you know, unprogressive, you know, horrible place to be when it's actually quite beautiful. And you'd be mm. surprised how many people actually travel there a lot. Like mm. my parents were just in Jordan and they yeah. absolutely loved it. But obviously I know that there is a few issues in Jordan itself but like we were saying earlier like the west is not devoid of obviously the subjugation of lgbtq people and people of color like i just think i want people to remember the most thing is that we aren't as different as people like to think in regards to mm. what is oppression and who is harmed the most and all of these things like it's not great here either and it's good for people to also recognize the issues that are in Australia or Mm. so-called Australia because it will open your mind and help you understand and look a little bit more these issues that are on the world stage a little bit more differently a little bit more critically Mm -hmm. and understand when people are promoting this hate and promoting these false ideas yeah definitely and it's important to yeah always for one look in our own backyards because it's not perfect here either and if you think it's perfect check your privilege (laughs) Because people are literally dying. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, Alec. Lerman, yeah. Bashed in Melbourne. Um, yeah, we saw uh, Alok um, uh, present live the other night in Brisbane, which was cool. It was like a comedy night mm. and poetry night. If you don't follow Alok, you should definitely follow them. The last time they came to Australia, they got bashed on a Melbourne train. There was people around. It was in public. Mm-hmm. And the person said to them... I'm okay with gay people, but you're too much. Yeah. Nobody did anything to stop it. Mm. That's what's happening in Australia yeah, right now. For sure. And even like I've said, or that we've talked about a lot, there's been more than 500 people who have died in police custody mm-hmm. in Australia and the numbers are just keep rising. And that's obviously the ones that are reported or the ones that we know mm. about. So I think it's just really good Domestic to know. Violence. Yeah. It's just like shit is fucked here as well people need to understand that and next time you want to throw that judgment at the middle east and look at it as this oppressed state and this horrible place just you know think a little bit deeper about it now hopefully we'll be back with some more episodes soon um we're gonna figure out our plan with doing some remote recordings (laughs) saskia's just dying over (coughs) 
a coughing fit right yeah. now. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're wrapping this up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Short. Um, but keep an eye on Thank our social media. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. <laughs> keep an eye on our social medias. We're going to share some stuff. But yeah, thanks for listening. And talk later. TTYL. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Revolting Women. We hope you were able to learn at least one new thing from us today. Please subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a review as it helps more people find us. You can follow us on Instagram at Revolting Women Podcast or click the link in our show notes. You will be able to find the sources we referred to in this episode today. If you have any feedback, questions, episode topics, want to open up a discussion or come onto the podcast, we would love to hear from you. We would like to take this moment to also state that we are not the creators nor pioneers of this information, and our aim is to build upon the pre-existing teachings that have informed us. We say thank you to the Black and Indigenous women of colour, LGBTQIA communities, activists and trailblazing feminists that have fought so we could thrive. If this episode has brought up any triggering feelings, please know that our DMs are open to you. You can contact mental health services such as Headspace, which is a free Australian youth-based service at 1800 650 890 or Lifeline at 131 114. Remove the stigma and reach out. See you next episode! What's wrong with that?